0: This week's sermon from C3 Church Narara We hope you enjoy this message For more information or to contact us Visit c3church.narara.net Thank you, let's pray God, we want to thank you. Thank you for this opportunity to come here and worship you, to focus on your word, to be in community and to praise and honour you, Lord, to come together as a family, as communities, Lord. We thank you. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to die on the cross. Thank you for your grace and your love, Lord, and for a blessing upon this whole congregation as we enter the new year. In Jesus' name, amen. You can have a seat. Thank you, band. Happy New Year. Year. How good. First Sunday of the year. We're kicking off a new series: Unsung Heroes of the Faith. Everyone, uh, holidays still going or summer ending? Going back to work tomorrow? Who's going back to work tomorrow? How good. Not really, I'm, okay, great. The, uh, the the sort of weird waiting room between Christmas and New Year's is over. I now have to know uh, to, to what the day is, what the time of day is, you know, it's over. So we're, we're kicking off the new year with a series. So each week we'll be going through a different hero of the Bible that you may not have heard of before. Um... And so next week's a real good one. We've got three women of God from Unsung Heroes being preached by three women of God in this church. So Harriet, Maddie, and Janelle, previous little sneak peek, so we'll uh, get to know who is preaching, but you'll find out next week who they're preaching about, so um, a triple header next week, so that's exciting. Unsung Heroes, how many... Figures in the Bible do you reckon you could name just off the top of your head? Like, how many? Just like 50. You know, if you really just went through Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, there's some easy ones. Jesus, God, Satan, All right? We've got the basics covered. All right. Adam, Eve, we're getting there. 50, maybe 100, 500. If you could name a thousand names from the Bible, you wouldn't even be able to name a third of characters in the Bible. There are. 300, 237 names in the Bible. 3,000. 3,200. Nailed that. That was the real moment, you know. Whoa! Nailed that moment. Anyway. Now, if, you, if I asked you to name 31 people in the Bible and you said Zachariah, you would, you would have nailed it because there are 31 different people in the Bible called Zachariah. So you could probably get to like a hundred by just saying like Zachariah, Mary, John. There's quite a few of those around. Yep, yeah, James. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, we're getting there. Like you've named about a hundred characters now. Like we're, we're getting up. Anyway, there are some obviously great heroes of the Bible. We know about David and Goliath, not Goliath. So actually, that's probably another good point. Of those 3,000, they're not all heroes. Like, Goliath is not, I'm not doing a series on, now you've heard of Goliath. Here's his real story. He wasn't just a bad guy. It's like, okay, maybe a third of those are people that we explicitly are learning what not to do. Um, But there are some heroes of the Bible that we all know, right? You know, you've got David, you've got Moses leading the Jews out of Egypt, you've got Jesus, obviously, coming into the New Testament, you've got Paul writing half the New Testament. But there's plenty of people out there in the Bible that we don't know that much about. That they're listed there, they might get a passing mention, they might get a few snippets and they may have had an amazing impact but it's really not expanded upon. And so what we want to go through in this series is understand and really draw out some of these characters in the Bible and figures and understand like who were they, what did they do and it doesn't really matter that they weren't as famous as David, they might have had just as much impact, it just happens that... You know, the writers of all the old letters and, uh, and scriptures didn't put as much emphasis on it. Because um, let's be honest, probably most of us here are not going to go down in history as being particularly famous. Um, but that doesn't mean you're not going to have as much of an impact in God's kingdom as anyone else who is famous. You know, the, the worldly perception of being famous and going down in the history books, that means nothing in, for God at the end of the day. And so a person who's listed in the Bible and, you know, done all these amazing things, there's plenty of people who have never been listed in the Bible, never gone down in history that would have done amazing things. And so we want to learn what that is and ultimately how to model ourselves for that. Because it is about impact in God's kingdom is what we're aiming for. We're not, we're not aiming to be famous. Uh, and so we want to really know what the significance of these people are. So today... We are, we're going to learn about a guy called Bezalel. Who knows Bezalel? One person. That's cool. So, well, let's go to the scripture. Let's, let's kick it off. So we're going back to Exodus. Moses has led the Jews out of uh, Egypt, out of slavery, and they're wandering the desert. There is, uh, you know, not the best time they're having, wandering the desert. Um, it is a unique experience. I have actually wandered in the desert. Not for 40 years, but I have spent quite a bit of time there, and um, it's horrible. And um, actually, I'll you about that later. But Exodus 35:30, 30, the Israelites are complaining, and Moses says to them. Then Moses says to the Israelites, "See, the Lord has chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, and He has filled him with the spirit of God, with wisdom, with understanding." with knowledge and all kinds of skills to make artistic designs for work in gold, silver and bronze, to cut and set stones, to work in wood and engage in all kinds of artistic crafts. How good. Have you ever met someone who just, they knew what their purpose was? Like you could just tell that they were working or they were doing the thing that they were just totally meant to do. Um, I can remember a really distinct example and I remember this very clearly because it's something that I explicitly was thinking this is the worst. We, um, I was, early days I was in the army and they were kind of sending us around, touring around different areas to be like, you could be a pilot or you could be a doctor and all these different things. And at one point they sent a bunch, they kind of grouped you in things that you, they thought you'd be good at. And so they sent me and a bunch of guys up to Darwin into an area called Mount Bundy. Has anyone been to Mount Bundy? Anyone? No. No. Good. And I remember showing up, and we are like two hours outside of Darwin. Um, so we went just way out in the sticks, and it was in January. And so it's like almost 40 degrees, and the humidity is close to 100. And I remember they had all these infantry guys, and I did end up going infantry, which is basically running around you know, with rifles and stuff. So you're not flying or doing anything cool with technology and stuff. And they did this infantry attack up a hill and running around, And just the amount of red dust and how hot and how many... It was like the surface of the sun. It was so red and there were so many insects and it was so hot. And the amount of dust just gave everything this kind of red tinge to it. So like everyone looked like they were glowing. And I remember this corporal or sergeant came up to us and gave us this talk about like, you know, it's so great being here. And I just remember... He was literally like head to toe, he was kind of sweating, but the dust would stick to his skin so he was red. I just remember the whites of his eyes and his teeth being like, he looked like a red monster out of the bush. And I just remember thinking, this is the worst place I've ever been in my life. And I've been to like slums in Southeast Asia and I would avoid this place more than that. Like, this is unbelievable. And I remember someone asked, like, I think we all kind of had the same impression. Like, what are we, what is this? Like, and I think someone goes, do you enjoy this? Like, what is this? And he goes, oh, mate, just love it. Wouldn't be anywhere else, eh? And his (laughs) eyes. And I was just like, what is this? This person's not real. Like, and he genuinely loved it. He was, and he just kept talking about how good the heat is and, I never get cold. I don't even have to sleep with a sleeping bag. How good's that? I'm like, what? Never have to shower. It's so sweaty. Yeah, it's great. I was just like, what can I do in my career to make sure that I never, ever, ever end up in this place again? And I kid you not, I I did. I avoided that place. Someone even said we needed someone to go to Mount Bundy. And I straight up like wrote a thing saying, I'm not going to that. I'm absolutely not. And I am glad to say that is the first and last time I ever went to Mount Bundy. But that guy was just, he just knew what he was good at. He loved the heat. He loved being a grunt out in the bush. And he was just all for it. And Bezalil is a guy that just knew From limited what we know about him, he was just in the right place at the right time, and he was a man that knew his purpose. You go back to the scripture, and Moses describes him, he describes his character, and then he describes what he's good at. And it says that he used all kinds of skills to make artistic designs for work in gold, silver, bronze, to cut and set stones, to work in wood, engage in all kinds of artistic crafts. He's describing someone who's just a really good craftsman, like a tradesman. He's not describing this mighty military warrior, this, you know, um, Joshua, this amazing spy, or this prophet. He's describing this craftsman. We don't know right now. It comes up, and you're like, okay, cool. I mean, how many other craftsmen were there in the entire Jewish race at that time? Probably others. But this guy stood out. He had found his purpose. And that's really the emphasis I want I drive today is finding your purpose and how do we do that and, and what made this guy stand out to Moses and, and what was he called to do. Because the reason why he goes down in history is not just because he was a, you know, a man with wisdom and understanding and knowledge and, and also all these great craftsman skills. Moses and God ended up calling this man to build the tabernacle And the Ark of the Covenant. And so the tabernacle, the semi-permanent but portable, serious tent, which was basically their temple, which they used for 400 years. So building a tent that lasts 400 years is quite an achievement. But until they built uh, the Temple of Solomon. Um, And inside that was the Ark of the Covenant, which was symbolic of God's power. Um, And if you really don't know what it is, Indiana Jones, Ark of the Covenant... That's it. So the guy that built that went down in history because for being the, just the best craftsman, the best builder. And so what was, what was his vibe? What was he doing to really get called for that? Because ultimately that was his purpose. That's, hey, I built the Ark of the Covenant. It's like 7,000, 5,000 years later. We're still talking about that. They make movies about that. Like non-Christians know about that. That's how important it was. The first one is that he was a man of God and he was filled with the spirit of God. It's said in the scripture that he's filled him with the spirit of God with wisdom and understanding and knowledge. So he was a man of God. I like that the idea here is that uh, if you want to, I guess, find your purpose is the term that we all use, but it's really not about seeking out to find your purpose. It's about answering the call. God has a purpose for you. You just need to listen for it. And how do you listen for it? Well, you have to be connected to God in the Spirit. You have to be full of wisdom. You have to be with understanding of God's presence and what he's gone for you. It's not like you're actively going out trying all these different things. No, he was a master craftsman. Probably would have taken a while to get there. It wasn't like, well, he did craftsman for a little bit, then he was in the army for a little bit, then he tried this. Like, no, he really got good at one thing, but he was filled with the Spirit of God, and God said, that man, he's wise, he's full of knowledge and understanding. Your purpose in life doesn't need to be something that is famous and impressive, you know? It doesn't have to be a musician that's on stage, or a famous musician, it doesn't have to be the televangelist, it doesn't need to be something that is distinctly like they lead something in the church, but it can be something that you contribute to God's kingdom with your skills, whatever they are, whatever you're called to do, can contribute to God's kingdom. It doesn't have to be explicitly, I'm going to build the Ark of the Covenant. Most of us are not going to be called for that. But your purpose can always be for God. And so when you answer the call for God, understanding in Colossians, you know, much later in the, in the Bible says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for your human makers. So even if I just work as like a middle manager now, like it 's not in the uh, corporate world it 's not exactly like i 'm you know opening the door and opening the the daily meetings with prayer and anything like that, but acting in my own heart as if i 'm doing it for God will see success, and those skills then translate into contributing for God it doesn 't matter what you do there 's a way that you can contribute that for God if you listen for your call and you 're in tune with the Spirit of God. He was with wisdom, knowledge, understanding. The next scripture that we see is when the Ark of the Covenant is actually being described. And so, Ezekiel 36, 1, Bezalel and Ohaliab shall work with every wise-hearted man in whom the Lord has put wisdom and understanding to know how to work all the work for the service of the sanctuary according to all that the Lord has commanded. Do you note here, it doesn't say Bezalel will work with all the best craftsmen. It doesn't say that they're going to work with you know, the most qualified. It says with every wise-hearted man. The first qualifier was that they were wise. The first qualifier for being called to God's purpose was being wise, was being connected to God. It's not being the best at what he did. It was being connected to God. And by extension of that, he probably was one of the best, if not the best. We assume that he was. Being there for God's purpose means that he will give you that understanding of what to do next. Understanding like this is my call. I'm being connected to God. And maybe it's not the best thing you're at, good at. But you can do that for God. I personally, like I work in corporate world, but I didn't think I was really that good at it. I thought I was much better at playing rugby, (laughs) honestly. Um, But that's not really something that God called me to do forever, obviously. Uh, But I've been this amazing sort of cool opportunity now and my job works out really well. Um, And the other point here is that Bezalil, he worked with a team. So he had an assistant there, a Haliab, and all the other men as well. It wasn't just a you know, single man army here doing his thing. He had been called, but he still needed support. And it didn't say uh, Bezalel worked on it by himself. It didn't say even that he uh, rejected the help or he didn't want it. There's a humility that comes with being wise and understanding that, yeah, I, I'm, I've been called to do this amazing work here, but I'm going to have to get some help with this, right? And so understanding that no matter how good you are at something... You might actually be the best, but there's still help that you may need. doesn't matter how good you are at something. The the next one is going to start talking about when they actually are working on it. So this is the third reference we get of uh, Bezalel. And the second point I want to make about finding your purpose. Once you've answered the call, you understand what it is, but it's actually working towards that, putting effort in. So Ezekiel... 37.1. 37.1. It says, Bezalel made the ark of the covenant with a sire wood, two and a half cubits long, a cubit and a half wide, and a cubit and a half high. He overlaid it with pure gold, both inside and out, and with gold molding around it. Um, so we knew exactly what he needed to do, and he started working towards it. I, when I first... Joined the Army, Defence Force. I joined as the lowest rank you can, which was like just a recruit, basic training. And then I went and uh, joined the the core, the job speciality I did was driving essentially tanks. They're like armoured vehicles. There's two groups. There's like proper big tanks and there's armoured vehicles, which I was in. And I remember um, like it was cool, enjoying that. But I remember there was one guy and he was really tall, like six foot five. And those tanks are not built for people who are six foot five. They are really cramped. Like they are huge, but the space in, like they're made up with like engines and guns and all kinds of stuff. The space inside for the people is really small to the point where when we got down to the point in the course, it's like months of training and it's like, all right, now get in and learn how to drive. And he actually couldn't fit properly. Like he actually couldn't. The, the tanks, you 're kind of sitting on your back almost like an f one driver, and the way you steer it is like a jet ski kind of handle kind of thing with and he couldn 't do it it was like his legs were all cramped up, and he was he was just too tall and so they said to him look we 're sorry, recruiting probably shouldn't have sent you here, and normally we don't you don't get this normally it's like well if you want to transfer there's only like four availabilities that 's what you get. He was allowed to basically choose from any job that he had the you know the testing to do, so like aviation. You want to go be a medic. You want to go be in logistics. You want to go be a sniper. You're just like any job in the army that he wanted to, that as long as he had the testing for it, he could do. And so I remember sitting in the classroom like, yep, think about it, mate. And they hit him up. What do you want to do, mate? If you decide, He's like, yeah, can I be a cook? And, <laughs> and we're all just like, what? We're all like 18, 17 year old guys, like driving tanks. This is the coolest thing ever. And he's like, I really want to be a cook. We're like, what are you doing here? What? And and I just remember thinking that is. And I remember the, even the instructors were like, "I'm sorry, you want to in catering core? If that you, that is what you want to do." I remember him going, "Okay, can you? I want you to put that in writing for me. Can you email that to me? Thanks." Just like, like I need you to email it to me because I kind of don't believe you. And um, so this guy transferred to catering core, and um, I just remember thinking that was the weirdest thing, like. Yeah, I mean, I like cooking. I actually do, but I didn't join the army to do it. Um, and then I bumped into him years later, and I, and I, I saw him, and uh, I, yeah, g'day, man, how's it going? What are you doing nowadays? And I'm like, are you still in catering? He's like, yeah, man, I love it. It's great. He'd been in catering for like four years, and he's like, yeah, we set up field kitchens, and then we're cooking here, and we're cooking there, and we're going overseas to cook, and I'm just like... Good for you, man. Like that's great. I wish I was that passionate about cooking. Like that's cool. I have a friend, on the other hand, when I when we lived in like a share house, I remember we used to take turns cooking, and I'd be like, Yeah, okay, I'd ring my mum, like, How do you make lasagna and whatever. I had a mate, and he would like angry cook. He hated it so much, he would he'd like bang around the house. He'd be like, You know, all right, fine, we're having steak and potatoes. smashing <laughs> around the kitchen, you'd be like. Do you want to just get Maccas, man? Like, it's okay. Um, but this guy just, he he just found his calling. He just loved being a chef, being a cook. I hope he's still doing it. That would be like 20 years at this point. Maybe it's like, all right, man. But uh, yeah, like he just loved it. And I just thought that was awesome because he's a guy that just discovered what he wanted to do, went for it. And even if that was like completely outside of what I personally wanted to do, and that was just... His calling, because it was unique to him. And he followed, you know, what he wanted to do. And so when we're looking at Bezalel making this ark, there's probably this similar vibe of, like, there's a bunch of soldiers going, like, what? Like, why, what are you doing? Like, yeah, cool, man. Like, we need a fancy box and a fancy tent. Like, that's awesome. Moses said for you to do it, and he's really doing it. Like, really going for it. He's got gold. He's following the instructions, like, perfectly, which is another good one, because I... I'm sure this didn't happen, but was like Bezalel, the guy that came along after someone had stuffed it, but probably not. But he followed the instructions, right? Like it's specific, very specific, to the point where like you can look up the Ark of the Covenant, and they will say like this is exactly what it looked like and the measurements of it. He built it just like that. He didn't say like and Moses was displeased and we got um, he got his second hand to fix it and stuff. It's like no, no, he built it exactly. Even though he was the master craftsman, he followed God's instructions, right? He knew exactly how important it was, which I like to think he knew how important this was. You know, I'm sure at this point he had built tabernacle tent, tents before, and without any context, he was just building another tent, more chairs, you know, and this ark. But with context, you're building the tabernacle, you're building the ark of the covenant. These all, Everything here you're doing with context is for God. And so understanding the context of what you're doing and understand, oh no, 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 I'm not just cleaning the floors, I'm cleaning this for God. I'm not just singing on stage. I'm singing for God. I'm not just helping set up the chairs. I'm setting this up for God. I'm not just going and doing my accounting job. I'm not just teaching kids. I'm doing the, raising the next generation for God. I'm not just parenting at home and being frustrated. I'm raising God's generation. I'm doing this in the context of serving God. Everything you can do is to serve God. Finding a purpose is the most important thing if you want to make sure you live a long life and, and really excel and working for it. Like genuinely working for it. I, I, played, I remember playing footy in uh, university and this guy was the most talented rugby player I had ever seen. Like he was just tall, strong. He was, was just wild. You just, I had never seen anyone so good at one thing above everyone else. And it was like everyone was talking about well he's going to have to like play for the wallabies at least. Like it was crazy. He would just score every every time he got the ball, no matter what. You want. But he never went to the gym. He he just drank way too much and he had the worst attitude. I remember he got off the field once and he scored four tries in a match and he didn't get man of the match. And I remember him just going, oh, how many tries have I got to score to get man of the match? I just remember thinking, Whoa man, maybe that's why. Like and I remember then we there's a bunch of us got like asked to go try out for like the state team and he didn't make it. And then a bunch of us got asked to try out for like the army team and he just didn't make it. And then the ADF team and he just didn't make it. Because every time he tried out he just thought like, oh whatever, they'll pick me, I'm better than this anyway. He never made it. He just didn't work at it. You're genuinely the most talented footy player i would ever seen. Being able to recognise your purpose and having the skills is great. But if you're not wise and humble and actually work at it, it's wasted. If you know what your purpose is, don't waste it. Don't be that guy that just thinks, yeah, I'm good at it, but whatever. Work at it. Pray about it. Find the opportunity. And when God comes knocking, going like, here's a a chance to really like serve God with that skill set. Don't let that go to waste. Finding your purpose Literally gives you life. And I I mean that because uh, there's these centenarians, uh, people who live over 100. Do we have any here? No? Byron, you're a few years off. So in Okinawa, Japan, there are double the number of centenarians, so people who have lived over 100, than the rest of Japan, which also has a higher proportion than anywhere else. And so there's been a guy that's just been doing studies, and there's a few areas around the world where this happens. Like, well, what are they doing there? And it's mostly very obvious. Turns out they eat a super healthy diet. Oh, okay. Um, And it turns out that they exercise all the time. Like, they're always active and going out for walks. I'm like, okay, well, yeah, all right. I can can do that. Or I, I wish I could have got paid all this money to figure that out. But... These Japanese, they have a thing where they, uh, they kind of go around and make sure everyone's healthy and stuff. And um, they have a concept called ikagi, which refers to something that gives the person a sense of purpose, meaning, or reason for living. And so a lot of them have all these jobs, and then they retire, and then they have to find their ikagi, their purpose. So it's like, cool, you're not just retired and you're kind of done in life, just floating on holidays forever. It's like, okay. And so there's all these interviews, and this one guy is like... Yeah, I worked you know, in corporate world, and now I make violins. You're like, what? Any experience in that ever before? No. I just really liked music and thought I'd learn how to make... They're not actually violins. They're like those crazy Japanese violins that kind of sound weird. But um, yeah, he, just, he makes those. Someone else was like, I wanted to learn how to make shoes. I wanted to be a gardener. So it's like they picked up a second career to find this purpose. So even in a totally non-Christian setting, finding your purpose... Extends your life literally, and so much more of it is with your spirit. If you find a purpose in life that God's called you to, to live an even better and more extended life, and ultimately be rewarded in heaven. So finding your purpose is something that Bezalel, I feel like, is really the the culminating point where we only see him right at the end when he built the ark, but there would have been a lead up to that. He had to be a man of God. He had to work at it and then he had to be in the right place. And when Moses was like, Bezalel, I want you to build the ark, he didn't shy away and go like, oh, I'm kind of busy. I've got this contract, you know, for Job. He's he's kind of, he's paying more. Uh, and this is kind of just for free, for charity, for, you know, the church. It's like, no, no, he knew that this was important. And that ultimately, the sign-off we get for him, just the final little listing, this is the last reference we see of Bezalel in Exodus 38.22 is Bezalel, son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, made everything the Lord commanded Moses. That's it. There's no mention of awards. There's no mention of accolades. There's no, you know, he got a parade and they celebrated him and there's a day named after him and all this stuff. Just a simple sign-off. And and yet there's sort of something that resonates me with that, this simple sign-off that in going down in at the time, he's built this tent, he's built, he probably just went back to building other tents and building more chairs, and he goes down in history for the next 5,000 years as being the guy that made the Ark of the Covenant because he was a man that found his purpose. So if we get the band up, I just really want to encourage you that we're not all here just because there's going to be a fanfare at the end of what we do. Even a guy who went down in the Bible, he gets a couple of small references... And then that's it, because your reward is in heaven. Being a man of God, answering the call and working for God's purpose in life, it doesn't mean you're going to get to buy the house at the beach and end up on TV and win the lottery. But what it does mean is that your reward is in heaven. And when we go home, God can say, well done, good and faithful servant. Amen. Let's stand and pray. God, we want to thank you. Thank you for this time together. Thank you for this new year. Lord, we want to pray over 2024 and every person here, our families, our friends, our connections, Lord. We want to pray, Lord, for our purpose in life. We want to pray, Lord, that when the door is open, that we have the, the courage to walk through it that we have the wisdom and the humility to recognise the chance that we have to serve you every day in this church, in our communities, in our family, Lord. Help us be courageous in speaking your truth and your word in the world today, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We love you. We honour you, Lord, with with our time, Lord. We honour you, Lord, with our hearts. In Jesus' name.